Welcome to Chandler United Methodist Church as we worship together online. I know today is Mother's Day, which has come to mean a lot of things in our culture and even has a bit of its own tradition in the American church. Every year, the conversation on this day turns vaguely to a biblical woman and holds up or identifies the highest qualities and values of motherhood. Those of us with great mothers look at one another and nod our heads and we make these connections and we all go to lunch feeling affirmed and included. Those of us with not great moms agree that those would be the desired qualities of great moms, but we end the day feeling a little different. We feel awkward and left out and cheated and maybe even angry. That is the American church <laughs> acting as a voice of division and helping people to feel excluded since 1914 when Mother's Day came about. Of course, women and mothers are present in the biblical text exclusively as secondary to men. And of course, an all-male Congress in our nation in 1914 would go out of their way to affirm women in this role, the bearers of children, the keepers of home, Call it traditional, and it would be six more years before, in 1920, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution permitted women the right to vote. I wish that we, I could say, I wish I could say that we in the church led the way. We did different. We were better toward equality. <laughs> I wish. Sermons on Mother's Day have tended to be loosely connected to scriptural examples of women who hold these traditional roles and extolling the offerings of service and attentiveness and women caring for their husbands and raising their children and keeping the home clean. The church affirming the traditional role, buy a flower, take mom to lunch. Happy Mother's Day. And so on this day, I am going to take an opportunity to talk about the discipleship visible to us in a woman in the Bible, and not vaguely, very specifically, the deepest example the core of discipleship visible to us in a woman named Mary, who because of her own conversation with God, her own relationship with God, is identified for her faith among others. She is invited by God to accept a very difficult discipleship. In the flurry of Christmas and the excitement of Advent and the cuteness of a baby, it is near impossible to pause long enough to listen to Mary's song 
about God scattering the proud and bringing down the powerful. Mary's voice being that of justice. Or when Jesus is circumcised in the temple, it's hard to slow down enough to ponder the prophetic word Simeon speaks to Mary. He says, this child is destined to bring about the falling and the rising of many in Israel. He will be a sign spoken against, which will reveal the thoughts of many hearts, and a sword shall also pierce your soul. Simeon is saying this to Mary. Mary's soul will be pierced. But in our search for familiarity, we scarcely acknowledge Mary as a parent and barely even know about her discipleship. And so this is where I'd like to begin today as we look at Mary's discipleship. The text that we read told us that from the beginning, she was treasuring these things in her heart. So Mary, no doubt, wondered long and hard about what these words meant. And we know now what they mean. They mean the difficulty, the impossible, the, the retching pain, the overwhelming crush of watching someone she loves being degraded and beaten and tortured to death. Her son's descent into the finality of death. Mary cannot stop what is happening to him, and yet the text is quite clear. Mary and the women with her remain at the cross. For Mary, and if you've been through this, you know, there is nowhere else you can be when your child is suffering. There's nothing else you can see because everything else has darkened. Tunnel vision has set in and your focus is on what is happening to your loved one. And you have become their witness. Not witness in terms of, oh, I saw it and I can tell others about it. Witness in terms of, I'm here to remind you that I love you and you are valued. And there are no words that can even approach describing or containing that moment. It really does feel like being pierced in the heart and the soul by a sword. And we cannot speak. We can barely breathe. And all of this is very present in the discipleship of Mary. And you're wondering, I'm sure, why am I talking about this on Mother's Day? Well, the short answer is Mother's Day is an excellent opportunity, an overlooked opportunity, to peer deeply at the very heart 
of our discipleship. We see it in Mary. We see the discipleship of motherhood, of parenthood. It is the discipleship of being present where you can see them and they can see you. It's the discipleship of changing diapers and handling things that you never really wanted to and not saying a word other than, I'm here and I see you and I love you and you are valued. It was the discipleship of watching little ones say, do by self and allowing them to run a short distance and then saying, I'm here, I see you. It's the discipleship of parenting through temper tantrums and skinned knees and telling lies and learning to tell the truth and climbing too high and falling out of trees and first kisses and broken hearts and learning to drive and a first ticket and a first accident and all challenges, all of the discipleship of parenting all of it is, no matter what, I'm here, I see you, I love you, I value you. That discipleship defines good parenting, and it also defines bad parenting. Bad parenting is when our child gets in trouble and we take over the situation, we bail them out, we let them off the hook. No consequences for my little Timmy. Good parenting sees choices and consequences as part of the growth process, both necessary, both painful. And we show up and we say these words again, no matter what. As you go through what is coming, I am here with you. I see you. I value you. Some of us get the practice of visiting our child, our loved one, in prison. Theirs is now the bruising humiliation of being adjudicated and incarcerated. We show up and we say those words again. No matter what, I love you. And as you experience what comes, I am here. I see you you are valued. The Greek word here is ecclesia, the word that we have received translated as church, and we've been told it means holy gathering, as if people simply meeting and saying God a lot makes a gathering holy. It doesn't, and this puts the emphasis on the wrong syllable. It gets the cart before the horse and other idioms about getting things turned around and losing the meaning. Here's the meaning. Here's what ecclesia means. Here's what makes the gathering holy. Ecclesia is the practice of being present and remaining present when there is pain. Ecclesia is remaining visible as a witness to the person who is suffering, that God continues def to define them as valued and loved. And we can see clearly the women, Mary, demonstrates in her discipleship, Ecclesia, 
by remaining present at the cross. This is deep. This is how we have agency even in the face of hopelessness and death. We do have something we can do. We can simply be present to one another in the midst of suffering. Powerful stuff. The core of discipleship. Simple presence. And then our text today shows for us an immediate example. From the cross, our text today, Jesus speaks to one of the disciples. The sole disciple that remained at the cross. And he also speaks to his mother. He forms a new bond. Woman, behold your son. Disciple, behold your mother. Here's what's going on. In the first century, women were chattel property, only recognized legally through their connection to a man. We've not heard from Mary's husband, Joseph, since the family was returning from Egypt and Jesus was about 12. And so biblical scholars tell us, and we have presumed that Joseph died somewhere before Jesus' ministry began which means that Jesus dying could very well be rendering Mary destitute. And so we must hear Jesus forging a connection for the care of his mother. He is blessing this taking in and connecting and caring for the vulnerable which is never a one-way street. Mary will bless and care for the home of this disciple as much as this disciple will care for Mary. This is the discipleship of the home, which is a little confusing for us because we've had an earful of scripture which seems to tell us that discipleship is about leaving home and walking dusty roads, but here, at the cross, in Mary, is the discipleship of taking in closing connection home. And it culminates in a very special word about adoption. If you were adopted, if you became a parent by adoption, if you have adopted a person in some way, adoption, adoption and all that goes with it is right here at the cross. This is the deepest discipleship. Woman, behold your son. Disciple, behold your mother. And we read that word, behold, and, and we may not know it, but it means a lot more than look upon or see that we think of when we read it in English. The Greek word is ido. And ido means noticing the value of God's creation and what we are looking at through the imperative of surprise. That'd be like me saying, wow, look at that sunset. Or in this case, Behold your mother, behold your son, Ido, 
right here at the core of discipleship is the necessity of being looked on and valued, loved and cared for, and the importance of seeing someone who's vulnerable, valuing someone who's hurting, who might be destitute, loving and caring for others, especially the vulnerable, on behalf of our God, in the name of our God, who creates us all. Right here at the core of our discipleship is a reminder of how much we need to be told in how we are cared for that we are valued and loved. We need to tell others in how we care for them, how they are valued and loved. There is a lot of profound meaning here. A lot of meaning comes into our lives through Ido connections. And yes, sometimes it is children we bore. And sometimes it's a child someone else bore. And there is adoption. Sometimes Ido is for a lifetime, and sometimes it is for a season. Sometimes it begins close to birth, and sometimes Ido does not happen until both parties are adults. Some of us were lucky. We were born to people committed to parenting, and some of us were not lucky, and we had to raise ourselves and find Ido in some other person or some other way. The profoundness of this single word is that each of us is seen and loved and valued by God. And wouldn't you know it, this is quite overwhelming. Wouldn't you know it? We learned the appropriate response to overwhelming news. When, when we're not exactly clear what to do with something that is more powerful and more beautiful than we can even comprehend, we learned the appropriate response back at Christmas when events unfolded and a young woman became a mother. And now today, in this text, not very different. This scene went through a series of events. An experienced mother witnesses the death of her son. The text tells us at the very end of, of those birth stories back at Christmas, Luke chapter 2, verse 19, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is the appropriate response when we are reminded that God is working in us. God loves us. God values us. We treasure these things and ponder them in our heart. Later that night and into the following days, in response to God's divine purpose, people like me and people like you arrested and tortured this man to death and called it good. 
God's response to the ending which they imposed was to speak life again. Jesus ascended to be with God and according to his promise remains also with us as we follow in his way. As Jesus offered himself fully to God's purpose, so do we. As Jesus remained unswerving from God's way, so do we. We sense and thrive on the movement of the Holy Spirit as we are led along this narrow path. And now may the Spirit of God, whom we know through the person of Jesus Christ, go before to show you the way, behind to nudge you forward when you are too frightened to move, above you to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you have in this world, and within that you might have peace. Be always in peace. Amen.